Thanks for downloading this week's Revolution Community Church podcast. We hope you are challenged by this talk and will share it with your family and friends. If this is your first encounter with Revolution, we hope you'll come and visit us at our Logosport campus located at 3324 East Market Street or check us out online at revolutioncc.org. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode at Revolution We Imagine 320. Okay, admit it. Who, who went after last week if you were here and rented the movie and watched The Greatest Showman this week or watched it again this week? Anybody? A few of us? <laughs> First service, there was like this big macho guy in the back row. He's just like... So, so guys, I know you didn't admit it, but a lot of us watched it this week. And um, so, hey, welcome to Revolution again. So glad you're here. Uh, my name is Anthony, if we haven't met. And this is the second week of this series called Big Dreams, Bold Actions. We started last week by asking a question. Uh, how do I know if I should act boldly on this big dream? And we wanted to start with that question and kind of think through that question because the rest of this series is going to be about inspiring you, you and me, to go for it. You know, step out, take a chance, you know, take a risk, see what happens, you know, go for broke, give it a try. So we talked about five ways or I guess five things to think about as we're, you know, asking the question, should I boldly act on this big dream, or is it just something my mind's coming up with, or is it God orchestrated, God ordained, I need to go after it kind of thing. So hopefully last week helped with that. Um, uh, For these next three weeks, again, we're going to look at some Old Testament stories in the Bible that I think are going to inspire us to go for it. So before we get to today's story, though, let me let me just give a little bit more info. Uh, in, in, you know, second week in a brand new building, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. I want to say thank you so much. So many people we put an we put an online survey out there uh, asking for feedback from last Sunday. We received so much great feedback. Thank you so much for taking some time and filling those out. Uh, and, and like we wanted to say through that as well, we're all in this together. We're all one church kind of moving this thing forward together, so we value your feedback greatly. Uh, We heard a lot of great things. Uh, One thing that was mentioned multiple times was signage. So we got a lot of great signage out there in the the concourse area now. Um, uh, Check-in, as Brownie already talked about that, went much smoother today from what I saw. Uh, Tech team is is constantly working on, you know, audio, dialing that in and, and... the screens and lighting, and, and we know there's a, I can't see some of you still, there's a couple lights that we got that were new that just did not work. So we're waiting on those to come in so we can start to even the light out, get a little bit more light in here. So we're working on all those kinds of things, just continue to provide feedback, give us patience. Restrooms, the partitions are not finished yet. We thought they'd be done, they're not going to be done till this week. So uh, it, it's taking me back, when I go in the bathroom now, it's taking me back to Logansport High School in the 90s. If you remember, the, at least the guys' bathrooms, we did not have doors on those things at Logan Sport High, which made swirlies so convenient. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to mess with the door. No swirlies at Revolution, okay? I'm just, that's a rule. We don't have many rules. That's one of them. Uh, uh, and what, one thing that was mentioned several times on the survey was we, we didn't know where to give, like how giving worked. And I'm sure some new people kind of put that, or we, we didn't know, like, where does our giving go? All that kind of thing. So um, l- let me just explain how that works at Revolution, especially if you're new and, you know, of course, new to this facility. So uh, we don't have an offering time in our service where ushers go around with a basket or you know bag or whatever it may be and kind of pass it around. We, we feel like giving is an extremely important next step. 
And we talk about it a lot, and we have series based around it. And, you know, uh, we, we have challenges that we give based on giving and things like that. And we do it as you're exiting and, and kind of out, because it's a next step. We encourage you to take it as a next step. So here, here's how it works for those that have taken this next step, that are part of revolution through uh, generosity. Um, everyone is receiving a, a giving envelope when you come in with your packet. So everyone's going to get it. We're trying to make it make it as easy and convenient as we can to take that next step. So you can fill that out in the service, you know, whenever. And you can you can drop it in the usher buckets on your way out. They're going to get that to our staff that uh, count on Monday and deposit the, the resources. Uh, there's also a giving station. If you missed that last week, uh, or if you're new today, the giving station is to the west side of the next step area. This area right outside the barn doors, we're, we're kind of making that like an area that is available to take next steps. So don't exit those barn doors unless you're wanting to kind of connect with someone. There's going to be volunteers on this side of those barn doors to help connect with you, uh, talk through a next step, and we're going to talk through some of that today. So so that, that's kind of how it works. There's a, online, you can give online at revolutioncc.org. There's an iPad out there to take that step as well. Uh, and, and something unique about Revolution, and this has been part of our DNA since the very beginning, and I'm so glad we started this way, uh, is 10% of our operating budget goes back into our community, community organizations, community events, other churches we're partnered with, church planting. 10% is given away. And because of your generosity, just a couple days ago, Live United Day was this Friday, we were able, because of your generosity, to give a large donation to get a, a storage shed set up for a Mayus Mission Center. Uh, we, we wanted to have a picture, but that shed is not completed yet, so they're still working on it. But because of your generosity, that was the number one thing in Mayus, our homeless shelter in town, was hoping to get accomplished at Live United Day. And because of your generosity, that happened for our homeless shelter. So thank you so much. Yeah. So giving boldly, it makes a really big difference at Revolution, and that's kind of how it works, and, and that's uh, what it accomplishes. And, and last quick bit of information, uh, we want to be environmentally friendly and good stewards of our resources at Revolution. So uh, again, th- those tools that you receive when you come in, the next step card and the envelope, the giving envelope, those are you know, available to take a next step. If you don't use those, please drop them in the buckets as well on your way out so we can recycle them and use them again. I, I heard we ran out of about everything last week, so it, that's really going to help us, and that's you know resources that can be used for other things in ministry. So if you don't use them, drop them off as well in the buckets on your way out, okay? So again, thanks for your feedback. Thanks for being part of this through generosity. We're, we're so excited about this next season of Revolution, this new facility, all that God has. So... Um, I realized in, in first service, and I, I started to realize it a little bit last week, but I really uh, came to this understanding in first service, it seems like I have to work a little bit harder at this new building, because we got more comfortable seats, and, and the light's a little bit dimmer, so I'm just going to pray that God keeps us awake and alert, because I believe there's a big message for all of us today, so let's pray. God, thank you for, again, what you've already done in these first 30 or so minutes we've been together. Uh, And God, I know every week when we gather, you have a very specific purpose. We we don't just come to to check something off an attendance sheet. We come because we want to be moved by your spirit. I'm here for that reason. So God, uh, in, in the rest of this time we have together, spirit of God, move in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, If I've learned anything in the eight years of leading revolution, 
I've learned that every great talk starts with a great joke. And by great joke, I mean, please laugh at the end, even though it's not funny. Um, so the, 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 here's how the joke goes. There's these four guys that, that tragically are killed, and they're kind of in the waiting room for heaven. I, this isn't theologically correct. Just go with me, okay? So they're in the, the waiting room of heaven, like kind of getting ready for orientation, let's say. And they're having a conversation together, and they're, they're asking each other. So at, at your funeral in a few days, they're, you know, talking to each other. When, when you, your funeral happens in a few days, and everybody's kind of gathered around and like, what do you want them to say about you? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? So the, the first guy, he, he's a medical doctor. He's like, you, I hope they say I made some great advancements in the medical field and I really cared about my patients. Like, that's what I hope is said about me. They're like, oh, yeah, that's good, yeah. The next guy uh, was a teacher. He's like, I hope they say that I, I was such a great teacher. I didn't just teach the publicly mandated curriculum, but I, I taught integrity and character with the way I modeled it, you know, in front of them. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. Uh, the, the third guy, uh, CEO, he's like, I hope that they talk about how I, I created, like, the best working environment for employees like in history, and that, and that I was very generous with the wealth that I acquired through that company. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. The fourth guy, he's like, man, I just hope they look at me and say, look, he's moving. See, I, I wasn't going to say it because it didn't go over well first service, but I just went for it. It bombed again. Okay, the point is, the point, here, we're talking about taking a risk today. I just took a risk. There it is. The, the moral of the story is nobody wants to die, right? You don't want to die. I don't want to die. You know, we, 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 and just like thinking about this for a few seconds for some of us can make our skin crawl. Like, Anthony, I did not come to church to talk about this today. Get back to dreaming, okay? Well, this is big dreams, bold actions. I, I, I can't think of anything more opposite from that than dying. Actually, I think there's a pretty close connection between those two words. That living with the understanding that we're going to die and life is temporary can actually propel us to dream big and act bold. I think there's a real close connection between these two words. But, but whether, you, whether you want to think about this or not, the truth is we're all dying. We're all terminal. We're all in the process of this. From all the research I've done, the, the death rate still hovers right around 100%. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I could walk off this stage later and pass over dead. Now, I'm not planning on it. <laughs> it's not on the schedule. Like, hey, Siri, remind me. No, we didn't do any of that today. But, but here, here's what I'm saying, okay? Knowing I'm going to die should influence how I live. Knowing that, that I'm going to die someday soon, and no matter how many days it is, it's going to be soon should influence how I live. We, we actually started Revolution Church. It was eight years ago Monday. I kind of shared some of this last week, September 10th, 2010. We started our church with a series called 30 Days to Live. That was our very first series ever. We actually have a picture of that first Sunday, uh, third floor of PNC Bank. A few of you that are in the room or maybe in that room, a few of us. Um, but it was crazy. We, we, we just talked about, like, if you, only, if you knew you only had 30 days left to live, what would you do differently? How would you live differently? And it's amazing that Revolution Church continued to grow and thrive. We started on a, like a series on death. That, that just means God is sovereign and God does what he wants to do. But, but, but we asked the question, you know, if you had 30 days to live, what would you do differently from what you're doing now? 
And, and we're going to look at a story today of four guys that knew their time was limited and see what it compelled them to do. Not the four guys from the joke, four different guys. It, it's an Old Testament story that I had not looked at or read in a very long time. So, uh, but before we get to that, I, I just want us to think about this. If you knew how much time you had left, how would you live differently? And, and most people, when answering that question, we think about like big event type things like, you know, I would take a trip to Italy or Hawaii maybe or maybe go on an Alaskan cruise. I don't know what it is for you. Take a trip or I'd get, I'd get front row tickets to a U2 concert or Taylor Swift last night. Anybody at Taylor Swift last night? I, feel some, I saw some posts last night. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'd, go, I'd get front row tickets to the concert of my dreams. I would drink the finest wines, gorge myself on the finest foods. If you knew you only had a few days or weeks left to live, you probably wouldn't go to the gym anymore. I'm done with the elliptical. I'd, I'd wave bye to that thing. I'm done with that. Who, who needs that anymore, right? Probably wouldn't binge watch reruns of your favorite show on Netflix. You would dream big and act bold, right? You would, you would try to go out with a bang, like do something that really matters with those final days. Make every moment and minute count. A, a guy named Kerry Shook, he wrote a book called One Month to Live. He actually wrote it a year after we did the series, uh, 2011, he wrote this book. He gives this challenge in the book, check this out. If you knew you only had one month left to live, quickly list the five things that, pop, that immediately pop into your mind that you would do with your remaining time. And this is our next step. This is one of the next steps from today. I encourage you to do this over lunch. This would be a great life group thing. The, the five things that immediately pop into your mind. And as I was kind of listening to those things this week, uh, here, here's what popped into my mind. Number one, I would spend more time in the mornings and evenings praying and reflecting on the direction of my life. And I, that was the first thing that came into my mind because I just go, go, go. And I've said this before, I don't think about where I'm going and where I'm going to end up with that going and that stepping. And I, it would matter so much more if my days were limited. So I would talk in the morning, God, I want to go your direction today. At the end of the day, in, end of the day God, did I go your direction today? You know, it, it would matter so much more. Number two, I would spend an entire day with every one of my kids on their own and shower them with love, and at the end of the day, I would share my three big hopes for their life, that they pursue a career that they're passionate about, that they marry a sold-out Jesus follower, and that they keep Christ at the center of their life. Because if you get those three, everything else kind of falls into place. Number three, I would go skydiving. And I would video the whole thing, like a GoPro right there, and you would, it would capture every facial expression, every girly cry, and I would show it on Sunday. I would. I'd let you guys experience it. Number four, I would spend quality, intimate time every day with Shauna, my wife. I showed Shauna my list this week. She's like, why am I fourth and after skydiving? What is, this is not order of importance, okay? This is just kind of how it came out. Number five, I would tell as many people as I could about the love Jesus has for them and that real hope and real joy and real love is only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I would be more intentional with that. What would make your list? I would quit my job immediately. That's where some of you went, right? I would make things right with my spouse. I would give a huge donation to this organization or to my church. I'd finally forgive my father. What would make your list? In 2004, uh, Tim McGraw wrote this song. Most of us, if not all of it, all of us have heard of it. Uh, it's, it's called Live Like You Were Dying. 
Uh, and it had to do with his father, Tug McGraw. Uh, Tug played baseball, I think, for the Phillies and the Mets. And uh, just two weeks before Tim recorded this song in a New York recording studio, his dad passed away. It's an incredible song, number one on the charts for like seven weeks, song of the year 2004. Here's a few of the lyrics. I went skydiving, I went rocky mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, and I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Someday I hope you get the chance. And I know so many people whose favorite day is someday. Like, Anthony, someday, someday I'll pursue that. Someday I'll get to that. Someday I'll pursue God. Someday I'll I'll make church a priority for our family. Someday I'll talk with the kids about how Jesus matters more than anything in this world. Someday I'll start loving my spouse better. Someday I'll spend quality time with the kids. You know, someday I'll finally be generous with my resources. Someday I'll get around to doing the things that God has destined and desired for me to do. But when are we going to admit, friends, that someday is a fantasy? That today is the only day we know we have? That that Psalm 118, it says, this is the day the Lord has made. Jesus said, why are you worrying about tomorrow? Don't worry about someday. Someday will take care of itself. James, Jesus' brother, he said this. James chapter 4, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You don't even know what's coming someday. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And I want you to think about, like, how would we live differently if we knew how much time we had left? If we're going to live in this big dream, bold action kind of way, we have to live with this understanding that life is temporary. We don't get someday in all these things we have in our mind. We don't get forever. Time is a commodity we don't get much of. And the more we can live with that understanding, the more I believe we will dream big and act boldly on those big dreams. So let's look at this story of these four guys that truly lived this way because they had to. There's four main characters in this story. They're all terminally ill. And again, we're all terminal, but these guys actually felt it every day. It's right in the front of their mind. They're constantly, it's, it's, they, they hurt, they ache, there's pains associated with it. We have to be intentional thinking this way. These guys were always thinking this way. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 7. Here's, this tells the story. It says, now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. Now, I'll explain all this in a minute. But they said to each other, why stay here until we die? And let me me just stop there. I want you to think about that question. I want you to think about where you're in in life right now. And and I'm I'm willing to bet that many of us are somewhat stuck. Or at least we feel somewhat stuck in life. Maybe you're stuck in a relationship that's not what God designed, intended. Maybe you're stuck in a job that you feel is, is, isn't giving you an opportunity to live out your gifts or to serve other people. Uh, maybe you're stuck in, in a pit of unforgiveness. Maybe you're stuck financially in debt or maybe stuck in, in this area of greed and keeping things for yourself. And, and, and the question is, are you going to stay in that place until you die or are you going to start dreaming big and acting boldly to get out of it today? 
That's, that's where these four guys were in a, in a very intense way. Are we just going to stay here until we die? Well, he, here's the whole dilemma they were in. Let's keep going here. It says, if we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, <laughs> then we die. Really cheery passage of scripture right in the middle of 2 Kings, right? I mean, you, you've heard of like a lose-lose situation. This is a die-die-die situation that they're in. But, but the setting is this, okay? Th- these four guys have a disease, leprosy. It's fatal. They're outcasts. That's why they're hanging out around the city gate, as it describes in the story. They've been shoved aside. And I, I could talk more about this, but the culture was, if you have a terminal disease like leprosy back in this time, like you couldn't come into the main part of the city. You're unclean. You have to stay out by the gates. You have to stay out by the gates of the city. And lepers, they, they would survive by begging for food and, and money and stuff from people that are coming in and out of the gates. That's how they would survive. They would hang out around the gates to beg for food. But nobody is passing in and out of the gates at this time because the army of Syria, the, the Arameans, have surrounded the whole city. Okay, so let me show you a picture. Uh, you know, many, time, or many cities back in, in Old Testament days were fortified, which meant they had walls surrounding the city. Okay, walls all over the place. So just imagine the cities like this, and you know, 100, 200, 300 meters around, like outside the city, there's another perimeter of 40,000 Aramean troops. Thousands of archers, and they decided that anyone that comes in and out of the city, it's under siege. Anyone that comes in and out of the city for anything, they're going to shoot with arrows. They're, they're going to kill them. So you, you can imagine what's happening. They had like farms outside the city, and people would go in and out and tend to their fields and come back in and barter and trade and stuff. But nobody's going in and out, so the farms are you know, going to pot, and, and there's, like, animals are dying, and every, every, like there's a famine that's happened. The army had laid siege so long that people in the city were starving to death. It's as bad as it gets. Can, scripture talks about cannibalism had started inside the walls of the city. It's horrible. So these lepers get desperate. And one of the lepers decides to dream big and act boldly. I think it comes out of his life, his temporary mindset, as we talked before. He's like, that's it. I've had enough of this. I'm tired. Like, here, if we stay here, I'm going to die long-term of leprosy if I stay here. Like, if we go into the city, you know, we're, we're going to die of a famine. That's it. I'm just done. And the other three guys are like, okay, then what are you going to do about it? He's like, see that, see those, that army out there? I'm going to walk right toward that army. They're like, well, if you do that, you're going to get lit up by arrows. Remember Jerry last week? That did not go well for, you know, so, I mean, just, you're going to get lit up. But he's like, Who cares? Who cares if I stay here, I'm going to die of leprosy or starvation. You know, and, and what if, what if I somehow walk toward the Arameans and, and they have pity on me and compassion. And they take me in, they feed me, take care of me. You know, who knows? I'm going to die anyway, right? So the other three guys are like, you're crazy, but we're going to die too. So we'll go with you. Let's just try this. And I, I just imagine they look at each other like, you go first. No, you go. So, so you all walk out together, and, and it's the most amazing thing happens. As they, they walk out, they don't get shot. And about midway through the, the stroll, it says this, At dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. Here's what happened. 
For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, the Arameans, the army said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. Think about this. This crazy thing. So these, these lepers are all walking out like huddled down, like don't shoot, don't shoot. And they get closer and closer like, dude, there's nobody here. So let me, let me finish the story. It says, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents and ate and drank, right? They're living it up. Then they took silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they had this realization. Then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're we're just keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. We need to share this with others. So let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. And then here's here's what happens. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers. They're like, hey, guys, we went into the Arameian camp. No one was there. Not a sound of anyone. Only tethered horses and donkeys, and the tents left just as they were. Next one. The gatekeepers shouted the news. And it was reported within the palace. So everybody finds out about this. This unbelievable thing happens as God shows up. And I think there's a really powerful challenge for us in this story. Because I know we're not in the same condition that these four guys were in. Most of us in the room are are not terminally ill. We're, We're not in the same mental framework that these lepers were in. But I know that all of us have a limited amount of time to live this thing called life. And that many of us are just sitting at the gate, waiting. For what? Like for some day? For for some day to get here? Waiting to die? Why? Like, as I've been sharing all this and, and, you know, giving different illustrations for this, you're thinking, yeah, I connect with that, and yeah, I probably need to have that conversation, and yeah, that'd be a good idea, and maybe a career change is a good thing, and, you know, probably uh, making things right with this person would be good, and, yeah, church it needs to be a more of a priority for our family and all that kind of stuff, and, and you get it, but you're just sitting at the gate. And like these lepers, you're like, Man, if I go that direction and try that, it might fail. If I go this direction and attempt that, it might fail. But unlike the lepers, we're just chilling at the gate. But what if we had the courage to just say those three words that they started with? Let let me show you again. It says, if we say we'll go into the city, the famines there will die. If we stay here, we will die. Let's read it. So let's go. We've got to read it with a little more passion, okay? Let's try it again. Let's go back to that. Let's go back to that. We've got to see it again. We've got to see it. We've got to see that phrase. Let's go back to that verse. Can we go back to that verse? You know it. So let's go. One more time. So let's go. Let's leave the gate and go after that thing that just might work. It just might work. Is anyone sitting at the gate and you're afraid to take a risk because you're uncertain of the outcome? Is anyone unsatisfied in your current circumstances? But you're afraid to take a risk because you're more worried about the outcome of that risk than you are of just staying at the gate the rest of your life. Are you unsatisfied in your marriage? And you know that you know, counseling would be a great thing. It, that would be a bold step you could take to, to maybe even create a marriage that you've only dreamed of. 
But it's more comfortable and safe to just kind of stay at the gate. Things as is. Maybe it's another relationship. Maybe it's a spiritual step God's calling you to take. Maybe it has to do with your career, your finances, your friendships. What is it? And what does it look like to leave the gate? I read an article this week, and we go and throw that up, Jennifer. Thank you. Uh, This this was uh, in the article, this quote here, and it just made so much sense to me. It said, if you want to experience something supernatural, you have to try things beyond your natural ability. If you want God's power to show up, then you have to try and attempt things beyond your power. It just makes so much sense. And and here's, here's how things often work in the realm of faith, the kingdom of God, as we sing about. If you step out, God will show up. These lepers, they stepped out, God showed up, God saved them, saved the city. And and I'm not saying that it's going to turn out exactly like that, and it's going to be all roses and success and up and to the right. But what I am saying is, if you do step out, think about what we talked about last week. Is is this a a big dream I should boldly act on? But if, if it is, and you step out, God will show up every single time. And my challenge for revolution today is to leave the gate. Take a risk. You're going to die sitting at the gate anyway. Why not get up and try something? Don't waste the time you've been given. Leave the gate. I, I would say that every great thing that happened in my life, and, and I think you could probably think through some different things in your past as well, every great thing that's happened in my life has taken a certain amount of risk. Being willing to leave the gate, at least a little bit. Uh, for starters, marriage is risky, Right? Especially, we, we got married at age 20. Man, that is a risky step. I, I've shared before that, that Shauna and I have a great marriage, but we've gone through seasons of counseling three times because you just get stuck. And you just got to leave the gate and go for something again. Deciding to have three kids, that's a risk, man. I mean, you can do everything right in raising kids. They still turn out goofy. Right? I mean, you, so it's just, and you gotta have, you gotta take bold action steps often, very often with kids, big, bold conversations. Uh, moving away from everything and everyone we knew to start a career in something we weren't even close to ready for. Student ministry at age 20, I shared that last week. Big time risk. We stepped out, God showed up. Starting a big vision church in a small town that we grew up in. That people know our past and grew up knowing us. Spelling out our Imagine 320 goals and vision last year. The vision we have for our church, our community, and beyond that is a massive vision revolution has. And then we gave, we gave uh, two goals. That we would have 100% engagement. That every person that says they're a revolutionary, they're giving boldly and serving boldly and praying boldly for this vision. engagement, and then this crazy big goal of $2 million in generosity over two years. What a risk to to lay those things out. Buying this building that sat vacant for three years and offering a crazy ridiculous number for it when we were getting emails from the seller that, that said there's another party involved that's willing to give way more than you're saying. And God showed up. I don't know what happened exactly, but we got it. Hiring new staff, staring at a blank computer screen every Monday morning, being like, okay, God, what am, I, what am I supposed to share this week? Friends, every significant move, every significant move 
takes us leaving the gate and taking a risk that we're unsure of. All these things I mentioned were risky. They all had the potential and still have the potential to fail. But here's what I'm saying. Nothing changes if you stay at the gate. Nothing changes at the gate. In order for God to show up, you need to step out. Not in a crazy, foolish way. That's not what I'm saying. Like, not without calculating the risk first. Not without doing a pros and cons sheet or whatever. But, but are you willing to take the right risk and pay the high price for what it's going to take to make that big dream happen? What is it? What is it? And maybe leaving the gate is some of the things we've already talked about. It's pursuing forgiveness with someone. It's stepping out into a new career. It's having that big conversation with your spouse or your kids or whoever. Uh, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, it's like taking a, like a big spiritual step, like going on a fast, taking a risk and doing something maybe you've never done before, and fasting whatever, something for five days, ten days, twenty days, going without something to pursue Christ. Maybe you just need to take some vacation time to get away with God by yourself and quiet all the noise and go somewhere. You're not going to hear a voice and it's just going to be you and God and God, I need some direction. Here's where I'm at. Here's where I want to go. Speak. Take a risk. Get baptized. Maybe that's your, your leaving the gate step because we've had 15 people over the past six weeks take that first step of following Jesus. Your next step is baptism publicly stating to everybody in this room, for the first time at this building, by the way, that I'm a follower of Jesus, and my life is about following after Him. We're going to be advertising that date in just a couple weeks. Uh, You can get signed up for that today. Go out those next step doors. Uh, We can do it right on the website. There's a form to fill out. Start serving somewhere in the church. Maybe that's it, because you're coming, you're comfortable, you're sitting in a row. That's awesome. We're so glad you're here. But take a next step. Take a risk. Get connected with a team. Get connected with other people. And and start serving others on Sunday. Not just being poured into, but pouring out your life to others. Serve one and attend one. Attend one and serve one. We talk about that. Uh, Take the generosity step. I, I mentioned that before. Start giving a portion of your resources to and through the local church. Because if finances are that thing that's keeping you glued to the gate, listen to me. If finances are that thing that's keeping you glued to the gate, maybe you're in debt, you're struggling to make it from paycheck to paycheck, or, or maybe you struggle just hoarding everything for yourself. And, and like the goal is, like you want to have financial peace. Like I want, I want to have peace when it comes to my finances. Well, the answer for that is not just to save more and spend less. Because money is an issue of the heart. Not just an, is, an, an issue of discipline earning more and saving less. And generosity, being generous, it's a way to detach money, to detach the love of money from our heart and give Jesus all of our heart. And the more Jesus has our heart, the more peace we have. And the more Jesus has our heart, the more peace we have. That's what generosity does. And maybe that's the step you need to take. It's amazing what happens when we start that discipline, how how we're able to have the discipline to earn more and save less, which is, you know, a, a goal. And generosity, I've said this before, it's not something you do at random, okay? It's not just whenever I feel like it, it's discipline. It's like every two weeks or every pay. It's I'm giving, God, I trust what you say about money, so I'm giving you this portion consistently because I am. it's a discipline where I am trusting it. You are doing something in me and you are changing others through it. And as I've shared before, God has so many promises associated with this step. I think the risk is on the other side, not taking the step. Because when we're generous, we invite God to be part of the world of finances. 
which eventually brings peace. Maybe the gate looks like getting plugged into a life group, leaving the gate. Maybe it looks like getting plugged into a group. Brownie's going to talk about this at the end, his experience. And, and you just, like, you need to have structure and schedule to meeting with people to pursue Jesus. And be real and be authentic. Get in a group. Mark that card today. Stop by the next step. Take a step. Last risk. Invite somebody with you next week. This whole vision is about reaching people and connecting people with the love of the church. We have seats now, which is so awesome. What an awesome crowd here today. But we have seats available. Invite somebody. This is the first time I've said that in years. Because I just didn't know at our old campus if we would have seats. We have seats now. Invite somebody. Take that risk. Break the routine of talking about sports or weather or whatever it is. And say, hey, we, we just opened this new campus. Come check it out. Invite somebody with you. And who knows what God can do. So let's, let's just stand together. We're going to sing one more song. And I know, I know for sure this connects with you in some area of your life. There's some sort of area where you're stuck to the gate and you need to leave the gate and take a risk. So God, I pray for my friends. I pray for our church that you would give us the strength, the courage, the boldness to live this out. Amen.